The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to NASCAR America Debrief. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with Steve Letarte. And Dale Earnhardt Jr., who just wrapped up Wednesdays with Dale Jr. on NBCSN. Today, it was also Wednesdays with Clint Boyer, which I feel like was one step beyond. Did this meet your expectations? Well, hold on a sec. Where'd the professor jacket go? I, I'm going a little cash. You, all right. You, you all don't understand this, but earlier we were here. He had this nice wool jacket on. It looked all dressy, and now he's got this hoodie and some Look at my man Dale I don't here. He's got his T-shirt Yeah, on. but that's what I expected out of him. I, I expected more out of you. Clint I mean, Boyer was entertaining. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Clint's always going to be... Really entertaining, perfect kind of guy, perfect, perfect kind of personality to to have on a show like that. Um, that's I think that's why all the fans like him and all the drivers really appreciate him. He's always a good time guy. Yeah, he's a perfect balance of professionalism and a good time, right? It never yeah. takes it too far. It's good. So let's start uh, toward the end here where you guys talked about Clint Boyer party stories. Yeah. You mean when I went five for five? Yeah. For the record, <laughs> five for five. I guess my first question is, do we believe all these stories actually took place? Yeah. Oh, actually, okay. this is how this came about. I got on the phone with our producer and came up with the idea of getting a hold of Clint. And so I talked to Clint. I said, hey, Clint, gotta get, we gotta, we're going to do this game show against, with Steve. Tell me, let's come up with uh, about two or three crazy things that really did happen at one of your parties. And then... Tell tell me, you know, we'll come up with three falsehoods. Okay. And that'll be right. the game. Right. Clint texts me about twelve truths <laughs> that oh, were so really there was somebody Oh heard. yeah. Oh man. About twelve crazy truths. So there's a lot of stuff that didn't make that you know, didn't make the T V show just out of time. Uh and so we could have really put Steve to the test, but I was pretty surprised he got him all right. We I told uh I told everybody we wanted Steve to lose terribly. But he's hard. He's hard to beat. Steve Wittard is a smart man. He is. Are we aware of why Clint Boyer needed a flamethrower as a baby gift? Does anybody know the backstory? I, actually, I, so I, I don't think that's a question. I think the, the <laughs> real question is why every man who's had a son hasn't received a flamethrower as yeah. a as a baby gift. Because okay. it sounds awesome. This is possible that he got the he got the flamethrower as a and it was came as a ruse, like a, under the guise of a baby gift. I see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm okay. saying? So, I got you. All right. So he's like, hey, I want the flamethrower, but my wife won't let me have it. But if you say it's a baby gift, maybe I get it. Which, okay. and there's nothing better than when you buy your buddy, like, some goofy T-shirt or funny hat as a joke. And then, like, a week later, you see him wearing them out in public. And you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't think he'd actually wear that. That could perhaps, you know, hey, here's a flamethrower. You know, it'll be funny. And then he, like, <laughs> flipped on social media. was like, okay, he's going to burn something down. I didn't, you know, maybe he was, didn't think it all the way through. But, I mean, a flamethrower is pretty cool. It is cool. Are you thinking flamethrower now for no. added to register? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Smart man. Crazy. So you also said something funny, tale about asking Clint if he had texted, texted like, a cut and paste to everybody yes. he knew, is that something that happens after you guys get Nate, like... Nate, I need a little time here because yeah. I feel hurt. Why is that? Because he won some stuff in 15, and I'm going to have to go back and look at the responses I got from Dale. Like, I <laughs> no, come on. I, mean, I just let you know. Oh, yeah. 
you, you guys won five races together, so now I'm not naturally curious. So is we this wouldn't a strategy? have texted each other. We were oh, in yeah, the same yeah, we room. Didn't text each other. That's but, why. but would you do that? Like when you when you come back and you've got like 700 text messages after a win, are you cutting and pasting like, "Hey, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, man." To like a so, third uh, of those. Uh, so I'm gonna admit, I, I made fun that of would be out there fair. I would. Say. I say I don't cut and paste, <laughs> but I do use what the same the response. Difference? All right. I'm just defending you. I, that I, okay, I use well the same response, up. but I don't use the cut and paste That's feature. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so right, right, what right. is the difference if, as Steve, The difference is it took you less time. Well, I Steve <laughs> says he uses the same response, and Clint even said on the show that he used the same response. They just didn't copy and paste it. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to type the same thing, I'm just going to copy and paste it. It's so much easier. I mean, these are 250 text messages <laughs> that you're trying to answer in about a 20 or 30-minute period. Yes. You know, on your ride from the the racetrack to the airport or so whatever. I'm going to put a caveat. If you're within a 24 to 36-hour post-win response, cut and paste is acceptable. Why don't we but say— But if you're after 36 hours and you don't have enough time to respond, that's no good. What if it's the amount of text messages? So it if it's under 50, no, oh, yeah, co- yeah, no yeah, copy yeah, and yeah. paste. Okay. Above I, 50, you, you're allowed to copy and paste. I agree. And then, like, immediate family and best friends get real— no, no, no. Wife, messages? No, well, well, I would no. write... Wife only. <laughs> I would write unique ones depending on the person. Okay. You know, it... it Wife it, or sponsor get unique. Sometimes, thanks man is not going to be the proper response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not for your mom, as you alluded yeah. to. Yeah. She's going to figure that one out. She, mm. I did that to her just on purpose. Because <laughs> I used to... I mean, this is a... I'm, I, I was, I'm the type of guy that somebody gave me a Forrest Gump sitting on a bench... As a gift, I would get these weird gifts, like figure, like life size. It will freak you out. Life size figurine or whatever you want to call it. It would be for it's Forrest Gump sitting on a bench. I put him at the end of my mom's driveway. It drove her crazy. So I, he was I don't sitting know, up there. This. So one of the first times Trisha and I went to his house, I wanted to show her the whole place. Long story short, it's kind of on the back of the property, but we took the roundabout way to show her everything, and we crested the hill, and the headlights hit Forrest, and she was. Ah! And yeah. I'm like, oh, don't worry. He just <laughs> yeah. sits there. He doesn't do anything. And I mean, it's, it's when he says life size, it's freaky. It's pretty creepy at night. I once did an interview with Brad Kozowski when he was living at oh, the, then you the house saw backed up to you. And he actually, we got, got in his razor. This is when I was back at USA Day. We got in, on his razor or whatever, and he gave me a tour. Very of like, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. we went by Forrest Gump. He's yeah. like, yeah, that kind of looks weird at night, yeah. man. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's Forrest Gump. Yep. Okay, working backward through the show. So short I didn't tracks. know Brookstone sell, sold headphones. <laughs> is that- These are actually a gift from a track. Really? I shouldn't say Sorry. That, but, yeah. I didn't mean wow. to get off, but... Yeah, that's awesome. That's a pretty good gift, though, right? That's a, nice a great gift. gift. So, tracks, if you're listening... Oh, I see the track. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. That's Not what you expected, That's a bit of a sleeper track. Yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> For those who can't see this podcast, which is everybody... No, yeah, well, it's uh, easy. I'm just wearing picture, headphones. Listen, listen. <laughs> just, just Google... Vegas DJ and whatever headphones he's wearing, that's what it looks like yeah. Nate's wearing. All right, yeah, exactly. So working backward for, through the show, short tracks were a big discussion. Of course, we're between Bristol and Richmond now, and we've been talking about this a lot on NASCAR America. Why aren't there more short tracks on the schedule? And I thought there was an interesting discussion today. Uh, you brought it up, Dale, with Clint about is it feasible? And so I guess you know maybe Steve wants to hit this and you want to hit this, but like, it, is it feasible to have? Three or four short track races in a row. I mean, I don't know. I guess right now the capacity is pretty much there's there's been two in a row a few times over the years. But well, but could teams handle well, it? If so like four let's or five explain how this works. So teams have 10, 12, 14 cars. <clears throat> get two or three super speedway cars, maybe a couple road course cars, handful of intermediate cars, and maybe two or three, maybe four short track cars. So the problem is while you have a bunch of cars, if you need your short track cars every single week, you got to decide whether you're going to build new cars or not. That's really the question. 
of feasibility. I actually, the more I think about this, I'm starting to believe that the short track discussion is a missed opportunity for other series. Like, okay. if there's this this desire for short track racing, why are the trucks at Charlotte? And if there's this desire for short track racing, maybe Xfinity could have a few. I guess that's what I'm saying is, yeah. you, you know, like, so I think short track racing is great. I love it. But I also think people come to watch Chase Elliott race, whatever track Chase Elliott's going to race on because he's a star. And Brad Keselowski, or whomever it may be. So in, if maybe there aren't as many stars in the truck series, maybe we should say, let's come watch the trucks because, man, they're at North Wilkesboro or some other random short track. I, that's just a thought that maybe what we're hearing here isn't a solution for Cup because there are some other issues. Yeah. Maybe there's opportunity for another series to jump right in there and take it. Yeah, one of the things that I liked about being able to ask Clint about the short tracks t- today was, as I'm new in this position uh, with you guys on the network, I make a lot of assumptions. And uh, as a as a past driver, not in the I'm not in the seat anymore. So uh, it was great to have Clint here to ask him. Well, you know, we hear this conversation amongst ourselves. We hear what the fans are saying, whether on social media or at the racetrack. What then? The drivers communicate amongst themselves. They have a very tight line of communication amongst really the whole group. What are they talking about? Is this something they even care about? Are they discussing short tracks? Do they want more short tracks? Uh, is it as loud of a conversation within their own inner, inner circle as it's been uh, in the industry? And, and he seemed to say yes. He seemed to say that the drivers would want more short tracks if they could have them, that, you know, for the most part, a lot of the guys do, do enjoy running them. And I think that's important uh, to, uh, to know because we make a lot of assumptions, or I make a lot of assumptions. We were talking last week about uh, the changes they're going to have at the All-Star Race. A lot of us think that that's going to be awesome, and it's a great idea. Give you, I'll give you, I'd say that a lot of the drivers don't like the idea, you know, and, and, and that, that there's an assumption, right? right? And so you got, I'm learning to be more and more careful, I guess, <laughs> on what I think the drivers so I'm gonna give like you don't like. I'm gonna give you some radio or some TV insight. Yeah, you don't have to be careful because it's your opinion. So yeah. don't just make sure you don't speak for the other drivers. But you can say I think I don't. You know, right. you want to be somewhat sensitive if you want to couch it as certain. Be balance, year right? one, give it a few yeah, years. Yeah, you yeah. Won't yeah. Be sensitive anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's year one. I gotta be sensitive. Yeah. So they don't like it because plates. Is that? I'm not gonna make thing? that assumption. He doesn't yeah. know why. <laughs> but I, I, um. <laughs> You know, I think just you read, passed that test. Yeah, good job. I think just reading between the lines a little bit on some some comments that I've seen. It was good to ask Clint. Hey, you're a driver. Do y'all talk about it? Is it what? Is it something that y'all have? You know, do y'all care? Mm-hmm. You know, is it something that you know, matters to you or does it not matter? You know, uh, we're so passionate about it out. You know, outside of the, the cockpit of the car. Well, what's happening inside the cockpit of the car? So that was great to be able to ask him that. Uh, would have loved to have been able to get a chance to talk to him or whoever else we have on the show about that all-star package. What are the drivers saying? You know, do the drivers mm-hmm. really – are the, do, the, do the drivers, you know, the drivers feel like the, what we have is good racing, what the package is uh, currently good racing? Uh, do they think about, you know, Charlotte Motor Speedway, what Charlotte Motor Speedway needs, what's best for the track, you know, what's their opinion about what's best for the track. So maybe we'll have that opportunity in, in, in a show uh, before the All-Star Race gets here. Well, think about it. If you're a car that can win, you feel you have a great mile-and-a-half package, you don't want to change because you're trying to go race for a million bucks. Yeah. And if you're a car that can't win, you don't want change because you want to go over there to try to get better for the next week. Right. So, yeah, you right. know, now that it 
I, I mean, it's really going to make the all-star race. Um, while I think there's some back room testing, you know, this would be a great sample set for NASCAR to look at, period. Eh, it'll really be a standalone. You know, it's not really going to help you for the 600 or anything, you know, which makes it probably less valuable other than the cash on the line. Interesting. I'm just curious. I think I know the answer to this, but do they mostly, drivers, do they mostly communicate through text chain? Is that pretty much how it's done these days? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, the drivers in the past when I was racing con- communicated through text chain, uh, uh, chat apps like group me and so forth or even emails uh you know email okay. change so uh whatever really was necessary to get the communication done um but they all do communicate now so when we i, I think once the council started there was a responsibility of several drivers in the council to allow everyone to know what was being discussed so hey we had this meeting in the council you know this is what we're all talking about all the drivers, we want you. We want us all to be one voice. Uh, everybody on the same page. Right. Um, right. So it was, it was good. It was communication that wasn't being had before at all. Right. Right. And that's beneficial for all you guys. Yeah. So one more thing you said, Dale, uh, that you said you couldn't believe the words coming out of your mouth is was also more road courses, and this yeah. led to a little bit of a discussion in the green room over there that was was watching the show. IndyCar just raced at Long Beach. Could NASCAR ever race like street racing? street course and think like something like that would ever work um well you'd have to tell me what you hope the outcome would be and i can answer the question <laughs> could nascar go to a place like long beach and physically go around in circles and and put a race on absolutely there's no doubt um do i think long beach is a great venue do i think the city would be cool do i think there would be a great buzz year one yes do i think the on-track product would be as good as sonoma or Watkins Glen or um any other tracks that the xfinity cars go to i don't because, you know, that track for years has been designed for an IndyCar. And, the, you know, the cornering speeds and things just match an IndyCar. Um, I just think, you know, I personally don't think it would be a good race. But I do think there are some great road courses around the country that, that you could go race at. Do you think that purpose-built road courses are a better option for NASCAR, cup cars, that style of vehicle? I do because um, this is going to sound crazy, but the weight – of a cup car would would do some real damage to streets that are that are not pre- prepared for racing like like an indie car while it creates a, man, a lot of downforce right. and it corners very well like when they have accidents or issues it doesn't really damage anything other than the car it's a pretty lightweight car all carbon based i mean you get a cup car to blow a right front tire and drive around long beach three times i mean like there's gonna be some upset city people um, that's a lot of money coming out of taxpayers and i'll be honest there are some pockets. spectacular road courses in the country spectacular yes, yes. and and listen we'll go all the way to the roval we're gonna see this year like do i think it's a great road course i don't know what i do think is spectacular is if you buy a seat you can see the whole road course that is pretty yeah good. yeah i think uh if we look at the road courses and how they have infused energy and excitement into just the xfinity series it tells you that the road courses are becoming a much much better play much more popular amongst the fans i never never was you know excited about it as a driver because i didn't feel like that i had a great shot at winning on the road courses as i did at other racetracks but as a fan uh i think more short tracks I mean, more road courses would be really good for any series. 
The only reason I bring up street courses is just because I feel like that's NASCAR's best chance of getting to some markets like Seattle or well, something like that. To your point. So how would the event be? The event yeah, would the be event, awesome. Exactly. Exactly. It's more, like of, you a, could it's more line, of a street party than yeah, anything. Yeah. You could, you could line up some cool street courses for an event. It would be right. a great event. Right. Um, how the race would be. I know this sounds silly, but I would have to see it laid out and get some cars to go around there. You couldn't have a long beach style. You, you're you talking like a seven, eight turn road course, right? mile and a half, two mile road course. You know, that's yeah. NASCAR's bread and butter. You, you need to keep the lap around a minute. We don't need crazy. You know, that's kind of what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, another moment you guys discussed was Clint Boyer's win at Martinsville. I, I thought that was memorable just because it almost seemed like it was his first win the way his peers treated him afterward i mean they all went to victory lane they all congratulated him like it was his first win and not his ninth and dale you said something really interesting about your michigan win in 2012 which ended a long uh, four-year winless streak you said you grabbed jimmy johnson's fire suit and said i'm a winner again man i'm a winner and that you said that you'd felt like such a loser going through everything that preceded that like, yeah what tell me like what that feeling was like you know it was uh I had came into it was so similar to Clint in the way that I went to an organization that had that expected a lot from me and I wasn't delivering the success that we had anticipated and I felt like you know I felt terrible about that I felt badly for my owner and my teammates my crew chief and everybody that had to make excuses for me you feel you feel bad you really do and 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 different people handle that type of stuff differently i lost a ton of confidence maybe not everybody you know goes through that much of a big swing as far as losing confidence and and all that i never doubted myself but just losing confidence in the the whole thing turning around you know mm-hmm. was really what i was doing and uh you know you don't know if you're gonna win again you don't you don't you don't know if you're gonna win ever ever win again and so you know that was when we when we won that race. I was like, I'm a winner. I can't believe it. But you know, I'm finally a winner. This is what we want to be here. At, you know, and uh, you didn't start immediately thinking about, oh, you know, got to win another one. You just really were in that moment, set. You know, feeling feeling the emotion of that win, and like Steve said, it made you. It made you be sure to feel that way every win beyond that mm-hmm. you know you didn't ever go to victory lane again and 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 half-ass it you never went to victory lane thinking boy you know this hat dance is gonna suck or you know man this victory lane pro you know this is a long process you never went there and you just went in there guns a-blazing like this may be the last one Right. Yeah, you don't worry about traffic. You don't worry about a schedule. You don't worry about nothing. No. You worried about absorbing every moment, every second. No. I love Ray Everham. He's a great friend of mine. He taught me. He was a great mentor. He taught me a lot about racing, and he gets a tremendous amount of credit for anything I've accomplished in my career. But the one thing I will say is I learned from him to appreciate the wins because I don't think he did. Because you wouldn't get to victory lane, and it was, you know, next time we need to take a little effort spring out of this thing, we're going to run better. And I was like, God, don't ever let me be like that, you know? Um, and that's just how he's wired, you know? It's not a knock yeah. on him. That's why yeah. he probably yeah. he won so much. But I was like, oh, I can't yeah. be like that. Uh, so the party in Martinsville in 2014 was in the treehouse. Do you guys remember what the, well, the party, party was? was at, the party was at the house, but oh, we okay. ended up at the treehouse. It migrated to the treehouse. I tree was house. like, hey, I'm building this treehouse. Yeah, right, you want right. to go see it? And it was literally a 
flat platform with mm-hmm. no walls about 20 feet in the air. Yeah. And we had to climb up there through a ladder or something. Oh, yeah. In crap. the dark. And it was in oh, the yeah. dark. Yeah. And you were unaware this was a death-defying experience until and later. We had had a few. <laughs> I mean, at that point, in, with the goggles I was wearing, it looked like a pretty good plan. That's fair. Yeah. It was good. yeah. Where was the party after the June 2012 Michigan race? Do you remember what that was like? Did you guys do anything? Was that just low-key at your place? Day we, every party was at my place. Yeah. Every party. Okay. That was a great central location for yeah. the team the guys loved coming over there it's wonderful uh, you know and i loved having them there but um, we were not wrong now like like i want the world to understand i'll be honest so daytona 500 you don't party because it's spectacular but it's whirlwind media tour you know it's not like you do it on monday we yeah. we had a great time but it was two weeks later third in sonoma truly might have been the, the the biggest event. I mean, that third at Sonoma. What I think and helped think about, is you get home a little later. Well, yeah, think about this. The party <laughs> didn't start till 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. And, and, and so not everybody is fortunate enough to fly. Well, you know, Dale's very gracious. It takes a handful of us. Right. So we'd get there, right. and we gassed her up. And just when we were like, whoo, I'm tired. Well, here come wave two off the team yeah, plane. And we gassed her up again. And we're about an hour or two behind oh, us. yeah. And I know a little bit more about the Sonoma weekend. And that was – Dale was out there with Amy – and I think TJ was out we there. We all went. Yep. TJ was out there with his Family. yeah, yep. the, now wife. And you guys – and you were out there by yourself. And you you guys heard just, of a third wheel. I was like a fifth wheel. You guys just trailer. like hung out in the Bay Area for like yeah. five days we going to the race. Out. You guys were all relaxed. And then you we were just, like, we're just going to pit five times during this race. We're spinning. using all the tires. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We bought them all. Rick bought them. We should use yeah. them. Yeah. So, we listen, what we did that day was something that I should have learned earlier in my career. And that is we appreciated the opportunity to go race Sonoma. Yeah, we appreciated that we were going to spend the weekend together. We appreciated we had a team that that cared. We appreciated we had an owner that gave us. I know that sounds silly, and it's so true. But but you know, in this sport of why haven't you won? Where are you going to win? Come on, win! The pressure takes away the fun. Mm-hmm. And because we had found success in one Daytona, I'm going to tell you right now, we were going to have fun no matter what happened that weekend. And that proved that having fun, we were way more successful. We learned a lot that weekend that we carried through the summer. And man, we had a we just had a good time. All right. We'll wrap up with tomorrow's NASCAR America is going to be all about the podcast, uh, the Dale Jr. download that uh, dropped yesterday on the Dirty Mo uh, Radio Network, Dirty Mo Media. Dirty, Dirty Mo, Mo Media. Media. Come on, get it all right, Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Mike, hard, man. Mike changed it. Yeah. yeah, Mike changed it. We'll blame him. So that's going to be the focus of tomorrow's NASCAR America show. Kyle Bush was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast this week. You guys had this amazing time, went 90 minutes. What surprised you the most? I th- you know, the one thing that surprised me the most and really what encompassed the whole experience and the whole podcast was that we made so many wrong assumptions about each other Yeah. through that whole process. And there's no denying that he didn't like me and I didn't like him and that I thought he was a bad person and that he thought I was a bad person. Uh, but there were assumptions made about how the other was thinking. Uh, he even said at one point, like, man, I was waiting on you to break the ice the whole time. And I'm thinking, me, you, you know, <laughs> you spun me out. I was right. waiting on you to come apologize to me, right. you know. And he said, he's like, well, you were the older, uh, you know, and you your stature in the sport. I was like, you you would be the guy that would sit down and go, hey, let's sort this out. I was he was said, you know, I was too young to, and and you 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 should have been the guy because you were older and I was too young. And there was just so many. I I you know you look at Kyle and 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 you see some of the things that he does and the way he reacts when he doesn't win or when he's upset and you assume that that's his in, 
entire that's his entire personality right you know but in but it's not and and there's a there's there's that's only a very small fraction of what's in there and what you know what's what what he's all about so it took me a long time to to start to see you know he would come up and he would he would he in night in 2011 we're at daytona in speed weeks and he knocks on the door of the bus and hands me like a box full of m&ms out of nowhere and so a couple days later i text him i'm like you know why you, you gave me these M&Ms just knocked on the doors this, were you going around to everybody's bus and giving away nope just you you and a couple of, <laughs> you and one other guy <laughs> why I don't know I thought you might want some M&Ms I'm like, he would do things that you're like so out of character but that's not it that yeah. was his character yeah. like that's also part of who Kyle is Yeah. you know he's this guy that hates to lose he's a guy that is a jerk sometimes he's a guy that uh, you know maybe reacts the wrong way in certain situations but he's also a guy that uh you know he's a guy you know he loves his family and puts a lot of effort into his race team as an owner he takes a lot of pride in that uh he's thoughtful about you know people that uh you know that are part of his life and you know there's just a lot of layers to the guy so i would say that the whole thing that I took away from it was it made me think about things that I'm doing today, relationships that aren't great in my life today. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many bad assumptions there are in that, right. That are causing those relationships to stay bad. You know, so how many, how many people do I need to go up to and go, Hey man, I need to talk to you. Is this really how you're feeling? Cause this is what I'm thinking. And I bet you on hundred percent of the time, I'm going to find out that I was completely wrong. And that it would have been, and then it would have been an easy situation to resolve had I broke the ice. When people say things, what you hear is not exactly how they feel. That's yeah, only yeah. I don't know how to explain it. You know, you hear a guy reacts and, and he's back and he's lashing out. He's really looking for help. He's really looking for you to say, "Hey, man, it's you know, it's okay, or yeah. it's fine, or that's you know, that's not I'm okay, and don't worry about me." Uh, so there's just a lot of, but but that what we hear. You know, makes you angry, and you make an assumption. So, emotional baggage was, that comes yeah, with people it sometimes. Yeah. It sucked. It's the whole. I mean, the that all those years that we were angry with each other and mad and thought we hated each other's guts uh, were not fun. You know, and I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. Bothered. It was my bother. It was. It was happening in my work environment. It's like going to work and sitting and having to sit next to somebody you just could not stand to be in the same room with. Yeah. You know. I knew that if we talked and we hashed it out, that I would be able to be in the same room with him and be okay. But we neither one of us were smart enough to do that for the longest time. You haven't listened to the podcast in full yet, but I just want to get your take. You were talking earlier about how seeing this side of Kyle is what you think NASCAR needs more of. Well, right? I, I think listen, drivers. So I, I'm a big fan of. Um, I love racing. Um, I love what happens on the racetrack, but. You know, it's easier to love and fall in love and cheer for people. And drivers are people. And I like drivers to not be robots. And Kyle Busch, whether you like it or don't like it, it's pretty straightforward what you're going to get. And I think I think he's wonderful for the sport. And I don't care if you're booing or cheering. So I, you know, I, I was a crew member on Jeff Gordon's car when 
you booed or cheer for Rusty Wallace, Jeff Gordon, Mark Martin, or Dylan Hart Sr., and only one was a cheer. Like, you didn't cross over. Like, you didn't cheer a couple. No, 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 no. One of them was your guy, and the other three were boo. You didn't like them. And I love that. I like to see a fan walk in with, I don't care what driver, Kyle Busch, T-shirt, hat, and he's going to boo Casey Kane. He's going to boo Jimmy Johnson. He's going to cheer Kyle Busch. Absolutely. When I go to a Red Sox, I don't applaud the Yankees anything. Don't care. Don't like them. I'm okay with that. You know, and, and I like Kyle Busch because while it won't be polished, you, you know, like he, there's no doubt on where he stands. And yeah. I actually love to hear, as odd as it sounds, how much they didn't like each other. Right. Because that's sports. Yeah. Now, yeah. should they have talked it out? It should have lasted, you know, a decade seems a bit ridiculous. <laughs> let's be honest. But my point is. You yeah. and I had this driver intros conversation. I right, love right. the fact that all these drivers, right. that's why everybody loves short track racing, because you don't like a guy, you hit a guy. Yeah. Right? Someone like, I know says hate sells, and, right? and it's you, you true know? in NASCAR. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean you have to hate each other truthfully, but when the when you got your helmet on, I'm okay if that guy in yeah. front of you, you don't like. Yeah. You heard, you used to hear all the time about the days in the, you know, guys would be best friends, but they beat the shit out of each other on the racetrack. <laughs> yeah. You know, people love that. Yeah. But, you know, and there was a time in the early 80s when uh, Dare Watcher was winning just about every race, it seemed, in that Mountain Dew car, but being booed terribly, you know. But that was good for the sport. People yeah. loved to boo him. Yeah. You know, people loved at one point and maybe still do uh, to a certain extent. To, they loved to boo Kyle. You know, he, that's, he is good for the sport. You know, Batman needs, needs, needs yeah. the Joker. Um, without that, I mean, it's not much of a comic. Yeah, yeah. But Star Wars yeah. doesn't sell a lot of movies without Darth Vader. Right? Like, you got to have somebody. But listen, I tell my son the same thing. He's 14 years old. He races, and he he's 14. He gets out of his car, and he throws a football with his buddies, and you hang out. I'm cool with that. But we have been very clear that the day I see them be buddies on the racetrack, we stop showing up. Yeah. Because that's not why we're here. Don't confuse that with good sportsmanship. Competition, it, we're here to win. Well, I, mean, I know we won't always win, but I don't want to see you letting a guy go. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. That is not right. why we are here. Right. Right. I don't like participation ribbons, and I don't like everybody being buddies during competition. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, definitely check out that podcast, Dale Jr. Download. Uh, check out NASCAR America tomorrow for video clips from the taping of that podcast. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of NASCAR America Debrief. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. I Eastern. like that title. NASCAR America Debrief, coined good, by Steve Wittart. Great? Yeah. I think you're getting royalties for that. I am. Uh, tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern for NASCAR America on NBCSN. Thanks for listening, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.